Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. All right, welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton, Lifeline's Vice President of Engagement. Looking forward to uh, studying with you today and and walking through uh, the book of Romans, chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. And so... Uh, as we as we pick up at the end of uh, end of chapter three and uh, are looking at um, kind of this this conclusion of Paul's remarks about uh, about sin and about the 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 results of sin, you know, obviously we've seen about almost three chapters now where Paul's talking about this, um, you know, sort of the 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 righteous judgment of. Uh, that we have because you know because of our sin, and Paul talks about in chapter one where he, you know, he very clearly declares that uh, that no one is without excuse, and and so essentially um, the apostle Paul is kind of setting up a, a judicial case here to to talk about um, the the just consequences of our sin uh, in order to then be able to present to a bunch of people who really don't. Um, have a lot of familiarity with all of redemptive history because we're, we're talking to people that are by and large not Jews and 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 folks that are you know that are that are coming from a perspective where some of these things are very new to them. Um, but they but but Paul is essentially writing into this context to say, um, but yes, we understand our sin, but here are some things to to understand about about grace. And so uh, as Paul's kind of winding down um, right here at the end of the passage, we we see that that he he says, beginning in verse twenty one, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Um, and so, what uh, you know, what we know that happened through the Old Testament, what Paul is, you know, has kind of put out is the fact that the law was there to be, uh, you know, as Paul says in, a, in in another place, to be sort of that governor or that teacher to us, to to really show us how we don't uh, how we don't reach God's standard, um, and how you know how we are uh, we are ultimately. Um, you know, broken and marred by the by the curse of sin, and and so what we can say here is though that that Paul doesn't say that the the law is worthless. He doesn't say that it, that the law is to be disregarded. He talks about the value of the law, but he says now we have we have something. Actually, we have someone who who shows us uh, the character of God and shows us. Um, the the perfect adherence to the law that shows us what upright moral character looks like and that is Jesus and so so having a law kind of the first point this morning is that having a law bears witness to the fact that there's an objective standard that there's objective truth in the world but but what Paul's saying here in 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 Romans chapter 3 is that more than having the law we have Jesus and that Jesus is ultimately the standard in John 14:6 Jesus says I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but by me Jesus declares that he is the embodiment um, of truth 
we live in a world that sells the message that that you and I, that we are the most important thing in the world, that we are the standard by which the world should be judged. We're told that our experience is is really the thing that matters most, that 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 our perception is ultimately reality. We're told that truth is relative and that ultimately we can't trust truth claims. We can't trust absolutes. But what we can trust is we can trust our experience. Paul tells us very clearly uh, that there's an objective law. Um, but, But then he says, look, even the law is not the truth. Jesus is. He's the standard. He's the one who is the embodiment of moral per- perspective and and that and that we you and I may have perspectives about that truth but the but the reality that 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 we that we must embrace is is that there is truth and truth is knowable uh, because truth is ultimately defined in the person of Jesus and so there is an objective standard for us to understand true and false right and wrong um, we we're, we're able to know the world absolutely because we're able to know Jesus um, and so this idea that that many times we hear talked about in our culture where someone says, um, well, that's his truth or that's her truth or that's my truth or that's your truth. There's absolutely no such thing. There is only there's only truth. There's only one understanding of truth. And, and ultimately, that truth is measured and defined by by the person and by the character of Jesus. And, and that you and I may have perspectives about that. We may have opinions about that. We may have thoughts about that. But our perspectives, our opinions, and our thoughts don't translate into making things true. They're ultimately just the way that we look at truth. Um, well, then we look at, at verse 23 of, of chapter 3 of Romans, which is a verse that that many of us learned uh, to quote very early and, and something that was a part of the Roman road, right? Um, and so, for all have sinned and and come short or fall short of the glory of God, um, right? And, and and so we we know that um, that that falling short of the standard of perfection, falling short of the standard that has been that has ultimately been demonstrated in Jesus is absolutely universal. And so what that means we is we have to we have to embrace the idea that no one is closer to fulfilling the standard than any other person. Um that that all of the categories that we tend to try to divide by people by and categorize people by and understand people by like ultimately they all fall away in the light of the gospel. You and I can't assert superiority in anything when we do it in the light of Jesus and in in the in the understanding of who Jesus is because Jesus is the standard. And I think many times we as 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 individuals, we even as as individual Christians, uh, we become preoccupied by the perceived distinctions that set us apart. Things like class, things like ethnicity, um, things you know like uh, socioeconomic status, like those things we tend to look at. Even um, you know, even our, our our relative sense of of moral uprightness. Um, we we have a, a, a tendency to believe that those distinctions set us apart, but they are of much lesser importance to God when they're interpreted in terms of his law and when they're understanding understood in terms of his character. How much do you miss the mark 
it doesn't matter because ultimately what we what we hear from Paul here is that that the 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 ground is level at the foot of the cross that we all are irrevocably broken and are in need of the redemption of a savior now the third thing that we that we see here as we continue on in verse 24 Paul reminds us he says um that we fall short of the glory of God, but we are and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was his to show righteousness at the present time. So in other words, we're justified by the work of Jesus alone. Justification wipes away the significance of every other distinction that, that we would divide or, or would understand or segment ourselves by because ultimately uh, it's, you know, we're able to declare that we are uh, in Christ a new creation. And, and, and so this idea of embracing this, this new creation means that all of the other ways that we might, that we might categorize ourselves, the things that we might take perspective on that would be ways that, that we would divide or, or understand or organize each other in our minds, that all of those things fall away because we are ultimately united um, in Christ. If you look over into, uh, into the book of Second Corinthians, just go over a couple of chapters to where uh, Paul, is, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And remember, he's writing to a church in Corinth that is in, uh, that's in a lot of chaos. And, and they're, under, they're trying to understand um, how to be a church in the middle of a culture that doesn't reflect Jesus and ultimately how to do that as a, as a multi-ethnic church. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18, what, is, what does Paul say to the church there? He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is All this is from God through who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So ultimately, the ministry that we've been given to carry the gospel to the world is, is ultimately also a message that tells us that all the all the earthly distinctions and the ways that we that we divide within the body of Christ, that those things are of lesser importance. And, and ultimately, they're of little importance when, when we see it in the light of eternity and when we see it in light of the work that Jesus has done to unite us together in Christ. That doesn't mean that distinctions fall away. It doesn't mean uh, that, 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 that there, there isn't some value in, in exploring our differences, but those things can't divide us. Why? Because as Paul said in Romans chapter 3, because Jesus has, has, is our propitiation. Now the word here, propitiation, it's a, a three dollar theological word that basically um, translates as the same word in Hebrew that that talks about the the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant, and so it's this idea that that like Jesus was the the blood sacrifice, he was the sacrifice that was that was sprinkled on the mercy seat in order to satisfy the righteous wrath of of God, and and so. Um, 
So we tend to, to judge things in, you know, in an earthly economy, but when we see things through, you know, through the lens of the gospel, what we see is that ultimately what we could not do, what people could not do through sacrifice, Jesus accomplished through his work. And, and so what we can say is to sort of borrow from, you know, maybe the idea of, that Sally Lloyd Jones put forth in the Jesus Storybook Bible. You know, she talks about the, the, the in there and uses the term that, that, that bad things would become untrue. Well, I would say this morning, we need to think about the fact that, that Jesus ultimately by his work unbroke what was eternally broken, what was shattered by our sin. Um, and we realize that that the complete unbreaking of those things hasn't yet fully happened. We we haven't fully experienced experience being out of the presence and and out of the effects of sin that won't come until until Jesus establishes his kingdom fully and we have promise for that in the future but what you and I have right now is the assurance that that in a cosmic sense and in our hearts that that Jesus has unbroken what was eternally broken and that you and I are supposed to live lives um, where where we reflect that in in the way that we relate to one another in unity and ultimately how we walk out um, the, the the gospel. Um, the other thing here that that Paul talks about in in this you know this part of Romans three is that ultimately that that God um, that that the work of Jesus vindicates God that that there might be those who said who say that God was God was asleep at the wheel that God was slack in His promise and that God wasn't slack in His promise to judge sin, nor was he slack in his promise to redeem, but that God didn't punish sin immediately and completely because he was about providing a way of redemption that ultimately shows us um, the blessing and the fullness of his character. Now, um, a couple of, couple of last things that we see um, that, that, that Paul points out. I want, to, want us to look just really quickly at uh, at Galatians chapter three, uh, beginning uh, in verse twenty three. So verse twenty three through twenty nine. Um, and again, Paul's writing into a church where you have this group of Gentile believers and you have this group of Jewish believers, and they're trying to become one body together out of out of a out of an ethnically difficult situation where they where they've been at odds with each other and and where where they where they do not get along very well and Paul is trying to help them find unity in Christ. And what he says to them is now before the faith came we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, right? So the law was our teacher. It was it was that one the law was given in order to give us a framework for our faith and to show us something about God. Verse 25 but now that faith has come and we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so ultimately, um, sin causes us to continue to, to attempt to find distinctions between ourselves and ultimately for us to put us in positions and, and put ourselves in positions where we're able to boast and where we're able to declare ourselves right at the expense of declaring that others are wrong. But the kingdom of God is, is, is a place in which that is not true and the gospel is 
preeminent. Um, and so as believers, we have to come to a place where we say we don't trust what we experience. We don't trust what what we think is right. We don't trust what feels right. What we trust is is what God has said in his word and that what, what God has declared objectively in truth, uh, ultimately in the person of Jesus, and then and then how he's passed that on to us um, through his word. And, and so Paul goes on in uh, in in the the very latter part of Romans chapter three, and and he talks about you know this idea and, and presents this idea to us of about you know about living well and about living in holiness. He says you know so if if you go down, he you know he has this whole thing about then do we overthrow uh, this law? by this faith and he says by no means on the contrary we uphold the law so in other words we've not been freed from the law in order to disregard the law but we've been we've been freed from the law ultimately to say that we've been declared righteous so that we can so that we can live holy because we're seen as holy in the eyes of God but you and I every day need to be doing things to strain toward holiness to push ourselves toward holiness to discipline toward holiness to ask the spirit of God to work in us to to lead us toward holiness because we 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 strive to live in holiness not because it rescues us but ultimately we do it because we're rescued we do it because of what Jesus has done for us and so i hope today that this will be an encouragement to you i hope that it's a maybe a challenging word to you as it has been to me um, that that so often when we're tempted to think categorically about ourselves and others in society where we're tempted to pat ourselves on our back for the things that we're doing well or the things that we're doing right or or we're tempted to to look at others and and see them less than as ourselves um, that that God has a completely different economy and sees things a completely different way and that ultimately the distinction that that we see is if if we're in Christ there is no distinction and if people are outside of Christ, our responsibility to them is to tell them about Jesus and to encourage them toward the kingdom of God. And so um, I hope this has been a blessing to you today. We, as always, love for you to join us on our Monday Bible study and here on the Monday Bible study podcast. And I hope you'll join us next week as we continue to walk through the book of Romans, uh, where we'll begin picking up in Romans chapter four. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.